and welcome back to another episode of Florida Foodie. I'm Lisa Bell, your host, along with our producer, Thomas Mates. Well, we all know the coronavirus pandemic has forced millions of people out of work, increasing the need for food assistance all across the country and, of course, right here in Central Florida. The need is pushing many food banks to their limits. So to talk more about the issues that food banks are facing during this emergency and how they are helping people make ends meet, we are joined today by Dave Krepko, the president and CEO of Second Harvest Food Bank. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here. Thank you. Well, we know that you know you guys have been so busy right now. Uh, so many people saying they could have never predicted something this massive. What has your experience been since the beginning of this pandemic until now? Yeah, you know, since mid-March, it's been just beyond our wildest imagination. I, you know, I've been involved in relief efforts from 9/11 to the great, you know, the recession to hurricanes, floods, fires, you name it. None of those compared to this uh, in terms of the amount of demand and kind of the immediacy that it just happened. So since mid-March, to give you an idea of how, how big of a scale, we have been distributing enough food for 300,000 meals each day. Uh, and that is not enough. Um, so we have never seen anything like that. Uh, just incredible number of people out there that, that need help. What was it prior to the pandemic, just to give us some sort of context? We just about doubled. You know, prior at about 150,000 meals a day is really high because we, you know, there, there is a problem of food security, you know, food insecurity in Central Florida. The pandemic just kind of uh, ripped the scab off of that and, you know, just virtually pretty much doubled the demand. Sorry, I was gonna say, was that something? have double the amount of people coming to your doorstep looking for food. How do you respond to that? How do you begin to respond to that? Yeah, you think real fast on your feet. <laughs> we, uh, what we've done is just gotten very creative and very innovative on how to get the food to those folks. You know, not everybody can possibly come to our facility to get food. So we're doing it through literally about 550 different feeding programs in the six county area. But we're doing a lot of what we call mobile pantries where we'll take a tractor trailer load of food out to a food desert, you know, to a community in a highly coordinated way and distribute the food out there. So that, you know, that kind of response people do not have to wait three or four hours in, in line in the hot sun or the rain or whatever. So, so it really helps from that regard. Um, you know, some other innovative things we're doing is, um, and this is something I never thought I'd see us ever do as a food bank. We are doing home delivery of food. Um, it was needed prior to the pandemic, uh, but we could not quite crack that nut and figure it out but it's something about a disaster. It can force you to look at doing things differently. It's forcing all of us, right? So we're doing home delivery and Amazon really stepped up to work with us on that. So people would call into Second Harvest. Hey, I have COVID. I'm self-quarantined. You know, I, I live alone. I can't get out. I need food or there's senior citizens that are you know, physically disabled and can't get out of their homes, or single moms and maybe one of their kids have COVID or whatever. 
So that has really taken off wonderfully where they call in, we get their addresses, you know, we, we vet them to see, you know, you gotta have a legitimate request for this. And then Amazon uh, picks up the food at, you know, our facility and delivers it uh, to their doorstep. There's a knock on the door, you know, so they know, you know, they're there and they leave the, they leave the food box there so you can respect the social distancing piece of it. When we started this, it, it was in late March and it was like trying to uh, change your flat tire in your car when you're going 70 miles an hour, right? <laughs> you just had to create it on the fly and it has grown wonderfully to this week alone, we will do 750 deliveries. Wow. And we believe we're gonna get up to a couple thousand. So we've had to become very, very innovative and creative in getting that food out to so many more people. So what was the speed at which this happened? Did this kind of ramp up over the month of March as, as we, more and more cases came? Or was it just sort of like overnight, once the shutdown began, boom, you saw all these new faces? It, it seemed to happen mid-March very quickly. Um, I, I would have thought we would have saw more of a gradual upswing, but that mid-March time is when Orange County and the city of Orlando, you know, in the state really started shutting down. So when the theme park shut down, that's what made it very, very immediate because of all the people that work there and then all the restaurants that, you know, feed the tourists and all the hotel rooms. So when you have an economy that concentrated on hospitality and it shuts down one day or during the week, all those entities, it's, it's like a, a, a tidal wave coming in. And you know what that did was expose how fragile so many people in our community are, okay, that were prior to the pandemic just on that bubble of maybe making things work and trying to put gas in the car and pay the rent and utilities uh, and buy food and medicine. And soon as that income is impacted, wow, it, you know, there, there's not savings there to, uh, in all cases, to take care of things. A lot of people calling in, I'd say, oh, 40 to 50% of the additional demand for sure is COVID related. Um, or 100% of the additional demand is that a lot of folks said, man, I've never been in this place before. Uh, I've never asked, you know, and I, I'm a bit embarrassed, those kinds of things. You know, if I could just read a, a, sh a very short food request, okay? I, I wanna read it to do it justice, okay? So, you know, I talked about those mobile pantries going out in the community. So here's somebody that, that uh, emailed in. When is the next mobile pantry and where's it going to be? Me and my husband are homeless and he has type two diabetes along with other medical problems. We've been living in our car since October. No shelters will take us both because he can't be by himself. He cannot walk or stand for a long period of time. If you can help us or lead us in the direction of someone who can, we'll be very interested, but we really need that information about the food truck drop off thank you i mean we're getting tens and thousands of those requests we have a food finder button on our website on the on the uh, home page and when people click click on it it gives them a map of central florida and where all, all our feeding programs are right so they can access them 
pre-pandemic, we were getting 63 requests a day, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. Mid-March, we started getting on average 1,200 a day. Wow. So to date, well over 100,000 requests off that, plus thousands and thousands of phone calls uh, as well. So I've never, ever seen anything like it. So in order to meet the demand, what exactly are you doing? You mentioned restaurants. Were any of them able to donate some of their food when they all had to shut down? And of course, we saw all those images of vegetables rotting in farms and yes. uh, you know, dairy farms you know, not knowing what to do with their milk or their livestock. Exactly. Have you guys been able to take any of that food and help distribute yes. that? Yeah. The, the food story, and again, this is unique to this so-called this disaster, right? The food supply chain is, has been upside down, so to speak. So what happened is the grocery stores, <clears throat> so there was so much demand on them that we, we had been relying on them for about 30% of our annual distribution pre-pandemic. All of a sudden, those donations disappeared. So it was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We have 100% demand and we got 30% less food. So you mentioned those restaurants or the theme parks like Disney. They had all their stocks and their refrigerators and you know their, their distribution centers. So they sent us multiple truckloads of fantastic food at the beginning of this that really made a difference. And that food did not spoil as a result and got out to people in need. Um, the, uh, the food grocery retailers, that food is slowly coming back, but the, the retailers were swamped not only because of hoarding of some items, right, but people started eating at home as a family multiple days of the week. Uh, I think it was a quadruple or quintuple uh, times amount. So that means the added uh, demand from grocery stores. And that's why we saw, you know, bare shelves and that kind of thing. Some food manufacturers and distributors and wholesalers have, have come to our rescue. Uh, and then the Florida farmers, you mentioned all that excess produce. Uh, and their biggest customers are the food service industry, the, the theme parks, the hotels, that kind of thing. So when their customers go away, wow, where are they gonna put that product, right? They can't flip a switch and turn the machine off. The crop continues to grow. So we've been able to work directly with the Florida farmers and rescue millions of pounds of, of that food product. And that's, that's the most nutritious food product we can distribute. And, and it can be the most expensive kind of food for, for people to buy as well. So uh, we've been able to do that and then, um, a couple other sources with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, um, you know, allocated funding through the CARES Act for a lot more uh, USDA commodities to be provided. And that has really helped us substantially. So thank goodness we've been able to secure a lot of food. Uh, there's still a couple categories that we have work to do on, though. And so let's talk about, so, you know, you mentioned Amazon and the delivery, which is great for you guys. Now, are they actually paying for all that or do you also need financial contributions to help facilitate some of that? Thanks for asking that. Um, we're using donated foods, okay? And Amazon was paying to deliver that. So uh, unfortunately, they, 
they are exiting from the scene, you know, this month, but we mm. thank them for the phenomenal support during the launch days and getting this going and helping us that way was, was phenomenal, their expertise. But now we, we have uh, transitioned into plan B, okay? So we are using donated food still, but uh, we have a lot of fundraising to do to support that program now, uh, you know, to pay, to pay some drivers and delivery costs, those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, it's it shifted there. But this is, this is a service that we see living on beyond the pandemic. And it's so complex. I mean, you mentioned that letter that you wrote from that lady who was looking for some food assistance and living in her car. So you obviously need to provide her with food that she will actually be able to use. Obviously, a bunch of refrigerated items are not going to serve her well. So how do you make sure that some of your clients are actually getting the stuff that they need and they can actually use? Right. And that, that's through, you know, if it's a direct request to us, we can have that conversation about their living situation, mm -hmm. you know, and it even gets down to requests that, you know, you have a lot of food allergies out there mm -hmm. and some, you know, really serious ones. Uh, some that can be bordering on being deadly. So there's, there's a real important conversation that takes place with one of our team members with those individuals on food allergies, where are you located? Do you have a stove? Are you in one of these small motel rooms, you know, with, without an oven? So we're able to accommodate that box of food to the best of our ability to, to meet their needs. So obviously right now, Florida is dealing with some spiking coronavirus case numbers. Uh, each day we seem to set a new record in terms of the number of new positive cases. There could potentially be a second wave. Potentially this could be the second wave. How are you guys planning and preparing for that? Boy, with a hope and a prayer, <laughs> you know. Um, it, that's, you know, it's pretty scary to think about a second wave coming through. What we're, what the approach that we've taken, that this is not a sprint, this relief effort. You know, this is a marathon. And uh, we've done projections out a year from now in terms of food supply, potential demand, you know, the unemployment factors, and trying to look at all those models that are out there and to plan our distribution to, to try to pace it as much as possible, right? So, so we don't end up with an empty distribution center. Um, so we, 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 we've had to lease an additional uh, warehouse to keep some non-perishables in mm -hmm. for, for those super emergency times. And that includes, you know, this busy hurricane season that we're going into. That was going to be my know. next question. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, I shouldn't have said the H word, you know, <laughs> cursed ourselves. But it's supposed to be active. So we're already pre-staging certain specific products and saying, listen, we, we got to keep some of these aside. You know, and if hurricane season goes by and it's a gentle one, great. You know, we have this product and we'll get it out to the community. But we see hurricane aside, we see it, this extremely high demand uh, continuing through November, you know, into December. And hopefully in 2021, it'll start to taper off a bit. 
but we think a year out from now, you know, June 2021, that we will still be at somewhat of an elevated level of need. You know, dur during the pandemic, it really uncovered uh, some specific things that the community, a lot of people in the community were suffering from before. And that was the lack of affordable housing, you know, combined with uh, low wages. That's a double whammy. And those problems didn't go away during COVID. You know, mm -hmm. they will be back, unfortunately. Um, and I think we're, we may see more people in that situation. I think, you know, some employers, businesses are not coming back permanently, you know. And some that are coming back are, are coming back not with the full cadre of staff they had before. This situation that you described, though, is no surprise to anyone who has all ever studied Central Florida and the economy here. Is it at all getting better? I mean, have steps been taken to reverse that trend? We are such a dependent economy on tourism. Um, you know, is, is there anything that's kind of being done to reduce the high cost of housing, to boost wages? Do you see any improvement in that at all? Hmm. Well, you know, there's, there's little bits and pieces going on. You know, I think uh, incredible news when Disney announced $15 minimum wage and then Universal Orlando went to that route. You know, those are, those are good starts. You know, it's not gonna solve the affordable housing situation though. Mm -hmm. And on that front, uh, and, and trying to minimize homelessness here as well, um, you know, there's, there's an ongoing, you know, ongoing attempts to, to address those problems. The, the number of affordable housing units that are needed in Central Florida, the last I heard a few months ago, was something like 78,000 units. Wow. Now, Habitat does great work, but you know, they're, they're building four or five homes, you know, maybe a dozen homes at a time, thank God. But, and then there are other groups that are looking to build multifamily, you know, affordable homes or affordable apartments. And some of that, some of that's great activity, but the pace of that, you know, uh, is not nearly fast enough. So we really have to look at how do you scale that up? And that, that gets into a very long, complicated conversation about public policy at the federal level, state level, local level, you know, and where where are the funds being allocated to, to meet those needs? Um, the, the other thing that, that I think is connected to all these issues, and I think this is a really critical lesson to be learned, and we were looking at this as an organization before the pandemic, and this pandemic put an exclamation mark on it. We as a community, the, the private, private companies, public companies, government, nonprofit, faith-based, we have to figure out a way to work together. Uh, you know, we're working with this population that, that needs help in a variety of ways, from education, housing, jobs or income, and health, right? So we have to find a way to work more holistically around these people, because they don't have one issue. You know, they're just not hungry. You know, that's a symptom of not being able to pay the rent or the mortgage, you know. Uh, 
they have diabetes or hypertension, you know, uh, that's not alone. You know, they, they have a poor diet that might be, you know, causing that. So we as a community really have to figure out, and, um, you know, that's one of the silver linings, if you can call it to something like this pandemic, that we're working with additional partners now during this so-called storm and forming those relationships. And there's nothing like a disaster to, to bond people, you know, and find out, you know, who's the like-minded soul or like-minded organization to continue this work. And we're, we're doing that kind of thing. You know, uh, John Rivers of Four Rivers is just a great example. You know, we just met yesterday again to work out how, you know, what can we collaborate on? And, th and there's opportunities to do it. Well, that is uh, great to hear. And I know he is full of great ideas, including uh, launching all sorts of greenhouses and public schools that could assist with some of the food insecurity issues sure. in our community. So yeah, that is exciting. Uh, well, we appreciate you spending some time with us and we know that it's crazy times right now and you are very busy, but we are glad to hear that you are seeming to get the donations that you need right now. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue to meet the demands that you're facing. Okay, thank you so much for getting the word out. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, real quick before we go, where can people go to to make a donation or try to volunteer? What what's the what's the website? What's the what's the portal? Yeah, our website is www.feedhopenow.org or you just google Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida and you can check in to volunteer. We we got volunteers who are respecting social distancing. It's a safe environment. And then the website also can show you how you can donate financially. And you know, that's one concern that we have going. The, the Central Florida community is a very generous community and, and has been during this pandemic. Um, but as I said, this is a marathon and, and we're gonna need some continued su support, uh, you know, to, to keep providing food like this. But uh, yeah, they can, you know, Visit the website, it's uh, chock full of good information. All right, Dave Krepko, thank you so much. Thank right. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Dave Krepko from Second Harvest Food Bank. You can learn more about Second Harvest efforts online at feedhopenow.org. There you can also donate and find ways to volunteer. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online as well. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find her new children's books online at normangnomebooks.com and by searching Norman Gnome Books on Facebook and Instagram. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available to download wherever you get your podcasts. Please take the time to rate and review us there as well. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash podcasts.